Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining. We have a lot to get to in this episode of the Joseph Carlson Show. Of course, I'm going to be doing a portfolio update, so I'll show you what I'm buying, what companies I think are good value. I'll give you a quick update of what's going on with the portfolio. But we also have some other important subjects to get to. For one, inflation seems to be out of control. It's going higher and higher. And we've now entered into a very difficult situation where the Fed has to raise interest rates without causing a recession. And that's a pretty difficult thing to do. It's so difficult that a lot of forecasters are now increasing their chances and their forecast predictions of a recession. And this has generated a lot of buzz, a lot of talk over time. So in this episode, we're going to go through and actually assess the probability of a recession and see how that plays in to our investing strategy. And then we have another topic I want to discuss that I think is very important. In fact, I actually think it's more important than all these macro events. And that is the principle of discipline. This is something that, frankly, Looking around on on YouTube and Twitter and with individual investors and, and investors in general, discipline is lacking. And I think that this is an incredibly important topic. So I'll be discussing how I think discipline plays into every other form of investing and how you can actually develop discipline with your investing strategy. So we have a lot to get into, a lot to go over. If you want to subscribe to the channel, you can do so and follow along for free. I give frequent updates with my portfolio at least once a week, and I do so with complete transparency. So if you want to see how real money invested in real companies turns out over a long period of time, you can follow along for free. Now let's go ahead and quickly start off with the portfolio update. This is my personal portfolio. It's real money. I have $335,000 and $35,600 in gains. The first thing that I want to mention is it's difficult, especially as somewhat of a public financial figure, to give updates on your portfolio when it's basically doing nothing but losing more and more money, going down in value month after month and week after week. If I look at my portfolio right now, I look at $35,600 in gains And that's okay, but just three months ago, we were at $80,000 in gains. So we've given up a lot of gains over the past three months. And if I just go to the past one month period, we're down $25,000 in the past one month. That's a lot of money. And when you're looking at this, it's very easy to become discouraged, to feel like you're a bad investor, to feel like you should give up. But I don't think that's the right attitude to have. Keep in mind, that this money right here is not actual money. I don't have money in my brokerage. I own equity in companies. And this is basically a bid of what people are willing to pay for those equities right now, this minute. And this bid can change over time. In fact, it changes every single day. It's the equivalent of looking at your home on Zillow and seeing what the current value of it is. Does it really matter what your home is valued at right now if you don't intend on selling? Is your home value even relevant to you if you don't intend on selling right now? Well, not really. And that's the way that I look at my portfolio. Right now, the price has gone down, 
but I don't plan on selling my positions. In fact, when the prices go down, that gives you the opportunity to buy more. And that's all I've been doing with my portfolio. I've been buying a little bit more every single week as stocks drop further and further. I just recently highlighted in my previous video of how I thought JP Morgan was good value. So I bought an additional $2,000 of this company. It pays above a 3.1% yield. Starbucks also continued to trade down into the high 70s, which I think is incredibly good value for this company. So I dollar cost average further down, lowering my cost basis and buying an additional $1,000 of this company. And I remain very bullish on it, despite the fact that the price currently isn't looking good. You know, it's going down in price and that's discouraging, but really I remain very bullish on this company. So overall, all I've been doing with my portfolio is keeping my holdings in great companies and buying ones that I think are offering particularly good value right now. So as we go throughout the next couple of months, it's becoming an increasingly emotionally and difficult time to invest. We can look at days like today. My portfolio is up 2%, $6,600 today. And when you look at these big numbers going up, you can become optimistic. And that's something that amateur investors and new investors often do. You get hope on the up days, then on the downturns, you get very discouraged. I don't think that's the way that you should look at it. We shouldn't be very happy when stock prices go up, and we shouldn't be super sad when stock prices go down. You should try to emotionally disconnect from your portfolio, not have that play a factor. Realize that you're buying high quality equities, cash producing assets, and regardless if the stock market goes down or up, these companies are still producing a return on their invested capital. They're still growing their revenues and growing their sales. So over time, whether the market realizes it, my portfolio is growing. Now, a big part of the reason why investing is so difficult right now is because of the ongoing macroeconomic events like inflation. Inflation seems to be getting out of control. We're now in a situation where it seems like it's on the verge of a death spiral, where inflation goes higher, employers start paying their employees more to adjust for inflation, employees have more money, creating more demand, which causes more inflation. That seems like the route we're headed down. Now, luckily, the Fed has a tool to curb inflation. They have a tool to completely stop it called interest rates. If they higher interest rates, that will stop inflation. The problem is that interest rates are a blunt tool and they have side effects. One of the big ones is that if you raise interest rates too much, history shows that has a good chance of causing recession. So the Fed has a tool to deal with inflation, but they have to deal with recession possibility as well. And forecasters believe that this is getting to be a tougher situation for the Fed. And they're raising their forecasts of a chance of a recession caused by the Fed hiking interest rates. So if we actually look at the situation we're in right now, it's pretty complex. Basically, before Russia invaded Ukraine, the outlook for the US economy was stressed but hopeful. Pandemic pressures appeared to be peaking, inflation was widely expected to normalize, and the Fed stood a credible chance of engineering a soft landing meaning they lower inflation without causing a recession. But they note the situation has changed. An enormous humanitarian atrocity in Europe has triggered an unpredictable global financial and economic conflict that will see consequences ricochet. Though new risks have emerged and uncertainty is higher, at present, the main impact on the crisis on the U.S. economy is the exacerbation of existing pressures and risks. The path of inflation and the policies to contain it remain the main threat to the cycle. So they're basically saying the biggest threat to causing a recession right now is a misuse of Fed policy. 
them going too aggressive with raising interest rates. And they say, while the risk has gone up, it need not be a recessionary outcome. So they're saying that even though there is an increased risk of recession, it's still not entirely necessary. Now, I'm still in the camp that even though I think there's a decent chance of a recession in the U.S., I still believe there's a good chance we will get through this without causing a huge recession. First of all, a lot of the things that were causing inflation seem to have peaked and are now actually leveling off. The demand for retail sales is actually going down. This is a good thing. This will put less pressure on inflation. Retail inventories are recovering, meaning stores now have more stuff to sell, which again lowers inflation. The labor market demand is actually stabilizing. It's not skyrocketing anymore. This is another positive development in terms of lowering inflation. And the labor force participation rate is starting to recover, which again is a very good thing for the economy. Another graph that we can look at is the economist forecasts of inflation over the next two years. They break it down into these different colors that mean different things that are causing inflation. You can see the mustard one here is supply-constrained durable goods. And that one has really spiked inflation. And they see that one actually minimizing over the next year. It'll decline pretty steadily. Then we have other goods, which is also contributing to inflation. That's supposed to go down naturally as well. So a couple of the biggest causes of inflation are actually supposed to be transitory. They're supposed to actually decline over the next year, even with the Fed not raising interest rates. And that makes the situation a lot easier for the Fed. So really this comes down to a game of probabilities. There is a chance we will go into recession because of policy error, because we raise interest rates too fast or not enough to handle inflation. If that happens, we go into recession and the market may not like that. But there's also a percent chance that we don't go into recession. Now, luckily for me, the way that I invest, either of those outcomes is okay. I invest in every single company looking historically at how they do during recessions and trying to do analysis on if these companies will hold their own during recession. And I believe that every company in my portfolio will survive a recession. Now, having said that, all the talk about recession and all the predictions do have a side effect of causing investors to become increasingly emotional and increasingly fearful. And I can see this happen all over online. I see so many investors becoming fearful and changing their entire stance on investing. One video that I remember watching a few months back, this was three months ago, December 13th, was one by Chicken Genius Singapore. This was one titled, Quit Your Job. That's the name of this video. Let me go ahead and just play a little bit of this. Hello friends, it took me one minute to make $106,400. This covers my entire year's expenses. It's he just said that this took him one minute to make $106,000 and this covers his entire year of expenses. That's the claim. This took him one minute, he made $106,000, and one year of expenses is covered, hence the title, Quit Your Job. Covers my entire year's expenses. It's super life-changing, and in sharing what I do, hopefully it changes yours. I'm not asking you to quit your job. No, work is good, but at least be happy working. Doing this video again because I do what I preach, but please note, it may look difficult, but I assure you, my donkey can do this with his eyes closed. All I did was by January 2023, roughly a year from now, if Tesla stock drops below a thousand, I'll buy it. It means by January 2023, if Tesla stock is $900, I will need to buy it at a thousand. 
I simply wrote a guarantee, so I got paid for it. That's all he did. He wrote a guarantee for Tesla. Now, the guarantee was that Tesla would stay at a certain stock price by 2023, and by writing that guarantee of that stock price, he's compensated by $106,400 that he gets paid in upfront credit. That's how he's saying he made $106,000 in one minute. Now, again, this is December 13th of last year, just three months ago, and he goes on to explain how risk-free the strategy is. It's quite stupid. If Tesla stock drops to $900, here's the meds, I'm still in profit. And if Tesla stock drops to $800, still in profit. $750, I'm still in profit. Let's say it drops to $600. I'll sell another year's guarantee and I'm break even. At this point, it becomes stupid to ask if this is risky. In fact, I think whatever I do, this is the safest strategy. How is it risky? Explain to me. He says it's stupid to ask how this is risky. In fact, if it is risky, explain to him how. This was the attitude just three months ago that you could basically have hundreds of thousands of dollars of risk-free money. Now, of course, markets can change very quickly. From that video, just year to date, the S&P 500 is down 11.57%. The QQQ is hit even harder. It's down 19% year to date. And Tesla, which he guaranteed the price of, is already down 34% to $795. Now, since that video three months back of quitting your job and having risk-free money, I've noticed a change in tone in his videos. The most recent one is, I believe a recession is near, has flames in the background, doesn't look so rosy anymore. And just recently, a couple days ago, he came out with a video called, I'm Selling frowny face. And in that video, he highlights what he's selling. He's selling out of Palantir at a $51,000 loss, and he's selling out of that same Tesla position, that same Tesla guarantee at a $49,698 loss. Now, when you sell out of this early, the premium that you were paid up front, that $106,000 he was paid, you also lose that. So he's out that $106,000 that was basically risk-free money, on top of losing an additional $49,698. And this was just three months ago. It seems like things can change so quickly. One moment, everything is easy. Money's easy to come by. Money seems risk-free. And the next moment, we're selling out a $50,000 loss. Now, I'm not trying to single out Chicken Genius, but I think it's a good example of how quickly things can change. One moment, we have something that seems like a sure plan, risk-free, and the next moment, it becomes very difficult when the market takes a turn. This is why sticking to a well-thought-out, methodically-driven plan is very important in investing. And one of the key things that I think separates amateur investors and new investors from professionals and the best investors in the world is discipline. I think this is the key element that separates the two groups. Warren Buffett defines this level of discipline as having emotional separation from your investments, keeping a level head. You don't need it. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. I mean, I've always said, if you got an IQ of 160, give away 30 points to somebody else because you don't need it in investments. What you do need is emotional stability. You have to, you have to be able to think independently and you have to be, you have to be, when you come to a conclusion, you have to really not care what other people say and, and, and just follow the facts and follow your reasoning. And, and that's, that's tough for a lot of people. It, uh, that part, I, I think I was just lucky with. I was born that way. This is what Warren Buffett refers to as, as one of the biggest advantages he has as an investor, as being emotionally detached from your investments. 
And this is something in common with every great investor. Think about this for a minute. You can name off every single great investor, and no matter what strategy they pursue, if they're a great investor, they have a high amount of discipline. You can take Warren Buffett as an example. You can take Sir John Templeton, one of the best investors of the past 100 years. He's extremely disciplined. He says that's one of his best characteristics. You can look at Nick Sleep and Zachariah and their fund that they ran where they invested in three companies, Berkshire, Costco, and Amazon, and they made market-beating returns. They attribute part of that to not getting distracted by the market and the constant news. They remained disciplined in their investing strategy. You can look at Michael Burry. He's always looking for pure value with his investments, and he doesn't make decisions emotionally. You can go across the board to any great investor. Whether or not you're doing fundamental analysis or growth investing, whether you're doing momentum investing or technical analysis, having discipline is key. And in my opinion, no matter how good you get at this stuff, no matter how good you are at momentum investing, or fundamental analysis, or value investing, or even if you're just ETF dollar cost averaging, you're not going to have good returns if you lack discipline, if your portfolio is driven by emotions. So I may not be the best investor in the world, or even the best stock picker. I'm sure there's better stock pickers or investors out there than me, but one thing that I do plan on continuing to have with my investment strategy is a high amount of discipline. I am not going to let emotions and fears change my investment strategy. I'm going to continue to buy and dollar cost average into high quality compounding companies that I think will offer significant value for the future. And I look at these type of dips in the market as buying opportunities, not issues to be concerned about. I think if you have this type of attitude, you'll have much better returns. So that's my thoughts today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you want to follow along, I'll have more out this week. So subscribe and you can follow along for free. Other than that, I'll see you in the next one.